0: believers. And what Paul is doing is he's writing to knit together in love and unity Jew and Gentile believers in the church. He's writing to unify them under Christ. And the place where Paul begins his writing to knit their hearts together is by bringing everybody down just a few notches and humbling us in our common universal need for forgiveness and grace and mercy through Jesus Christ. He's, he's writing these first couple chapters to bring us low so that we can be knit together in the gospel, in Christ. Okay, And this is what he says in Romans chapter 2, he's already written to humble the heathen, the one far away from God. He's written to humble the hypocrite, the one who knows much of God but does not follow and obey him. Now he's writing to the Hebrew. And he says this. Now if you call yourself a Jew and rest in the law... Boast in God, know His will, and approve the things that are superior, being instructed from the law. And if you are convinced, you are a guide for the blind, a light to those in darkness, an instructor of the ignorant, a teacher of the immature, having the embodiment of knowledge and truth in the law. You then, who teach another, don't you teach yourself? You who preach, you must not steal. Do you steal? You who say you must not commit adultery, do you commit adultery? You who detest idols, do you rob their temples? You who boast in the law, do you dishonor God by breaking the law? For as it is written, the name of God is blasphemed among the Gentiles because of you. That's our passage for today, and before we jump in and start to study that together, I want to invite you to take a couple of minutes and pray with somebody nearby. Okay, so every week here we get our time going pretty much the same way, and and I want to encourage you to just take these couple of minutes— Put your heads together with somebody that you're you're sitting close by and pray specifically for one another. Pray that God would uh, encourage our hearts, that He would humble our hearts, that He would teach us today as we come together. Also pray that God would fill us up with worship. Pray that God would be just abundantly pouring into our hearts. We need that, don't we? I mean, every week I think, man, it's been a long week (laughs) and I need to come and be filled by the Lord. And so we can be praying for one another in that, and then also just praying that through the Word, we would be built up and encouraged, and that we'd be able to encourage one another today. Okay, so let's pray that uh, for and we would see and, and sense more deeply our need for Jesus, Lord, but we would have even greater hope because Jesus has come. God, I pray that you would make these truths of your Word clear in our hearts, God, and we pray it all in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Well, on the morning of October 7th, just a little over three weeks ago, uh, a terrorist organization by the name of Hamas coordinated a surprise attack on the nation of Israel. And this has been front page news ever since it happened. So I doubt I'm sharing anything new with you here. But it began with a barrage of at least 5,000 rockets launched from the Gaza Strip into Israel while some 2,500 militants breached the Gaza-Israel barrier and attacked civilian communities and military bases near the Gaza Strip. Over 1,400 Israelis, mostly civilians, were killed. Hundreds of civilian hostages, including women, children, and the elderly, were abducted and taken into the Gaza Strip. It was an aggressive act of terrorism and it was violently aimed, but not so much at strategic military points, but instead at the Jewish people. This was an attack on the Jews. And, and sadly, this is just the latest in a long history of violence aimed at the Jews throughout the course of their existence. Obviously, we think of World War II and the Holocaust, one of the greatest atrocities ever committed. Uh, But even beyond that, the the Jewish people, they have a long history of persecution in the world, and some of it they have certainly brought upon themselves. We we think about the Babylonian captivity in biblical times, and, and we recognize that was an act of God's own judgment against the nation of Israel for their own idolatry and sin. But it's safe to say that the Hebrews have often found themselves attacked and provoked in the world. And, and when we come to Romans chapter 2, okay, what we need to understand is the Apostle Paul is absolutely attacking and provoking the Jews. He, he is going after the Hebrews, but he's not attacking them with bombs and bullets— of at least 5,000 rockets launched from the Gaza Strip into Israel, while some 2,500 militants breached the Gaza-Israel barrier and attacked civilian communities and military bases near the Gaza Strip. Over 1,400 Israelis, mostly civilians, were killed. Hundreds of civilian hostages, including women, children, and the elderly, were abducted. And taken into the Gaza Strip. It was an aggressive act of terrorism and it was violently aimed but not so much at strategic military points but instead at the Jewish people. This was an attack on the Jews and and sadly this is just the latest in a long history of violence aimed at the Jews throughout the course of their existence. Obviously, we think of World War II and the Holocaust, one of the greatest atrocities ever committed. Uh, But even beyond that, the, the Jewish people, they have a long history of persecution in the world. And some of it, they have certainly... Brought upon themselves. We we think about the Babylonian captivity in biblical times, and and we recognize that was an act of God's own judgment against the nation of Israel for their own idolatry and sin. But it's safe to say that the Hebrews have often found themselves attacked and provoked in the world. And and when we come to Romans chapter 2, okay, what we need to understand is the Apostle Paul is absolutely attacking and provoking the Jews. He, he is going after adultery. He wants us to see as in a mirror in our very own lives, our very own hearts, and take stock of what's really going on. We should stop and think for a second when we read this about just how hypocritical we all can be. Paul is pressing the religious individual, look in the mirror, look in the mirror, look in the mirror. See what's in your own heart. And I think about this all the time as a parent. Isn't it a great opportunity? Those of you who are parents, isn't it a great opportunity? Every time I'm correcting my kids, it's like as I'm correcting them, the thought that's racing through my mind is like, do you do the same thing? Are you doing the same thing? Even when I pray for them, I'm praying for them. I'm thinking, am I living in this? Am I walking in this? How often have you found yourself correcting your kids? Knowing you do the very same thing. We don't hide our sin. We confess. Are you confessing your sin? We don't yell in anger. Are you yelling in anger? There's a mirror. It's held up in front of our face. And we do well to look at it we don't, we aren't to live selfishly we think of others first do we you need to show grace are you now obviously we're not going to be perfect but are we humble enough to realize when we are being hypocritical, are you living out the things that you know to be true, that you teach to be true? Hypocrisy is like a stench. Just because we know what's right and we can teach it, it does not mean that we automatically are living it out faithfully. And part of what Paul's doing is he's holding up a mirror to every individual Jew, to the religious individual, and he says, you who teach, are you teaching yourself? You who say, don't commit adultery. Are you committing adultery? Jesus, Matthew 5, he, he raises the stakes in all of this. He says, you've heard it said, don't commit adultery, but I tell you, everyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart. Like, yeah, it's easy enough to teach against adultery, but at the same time, look in the mirror. Our own hearts can be full of adultery. And so Paul here, he's he's holding up that mirror for us to recognize our own hypocrisy on the personal level, and we should be humbled through that by our need for Christ. But beyond the individual level, Paul he's holding up a mirror for the whole nation of Israel. He's holding up a mirror for the nation of Israel at the national level, for them to see as a nation how they have disobeyed God, how they have been hypocrites. And this is a huge deal because there was a lot of religious pride. There there was a lot of pride and and comfort and and safety in in just that sense of, I belong to the nation of God's people. I have God's favor because I belong to the nation of God's people. The the, the Jew would carry a, a, a sense of safety in that. And and what was dangerous is that there was a temptation for the Jew, even those who had come to faith in Christ, in the church, and were now in the church in Rome, there was a temptation for them to still see their Judaism, their religious heritage, as the safety blanket that assured them of their privileged position before God. There was always a temptation to move back To drift back to this place where they found their identity and their comfort and their assurance in being good Jews. In in having these religious ceremonies, religious practices, religious habits, good laws of God. Having the prophets and the scriptures. Like all of these religious privileges all of this religious heritage like my my dad's god's people my grandpa's dad's people my great grandpa's dad's people my great 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 grandpa my great 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 grandparents and even my uncles and aunts and everybody else we're all god's people like I, how could i possibly have need They had a horrible reputation in the world. And here's the punchline of what Paul's getting towards with the hypocrisy of the Jews. He says in verse 24, For as it is written, the name of God is blasphemed among the Gentiles because of you. And those are powerful words from the Apostle Paul. That's the great failure of the Jews. Supposed to be a light to the darkness. A guide to the blind, and instead the name of God, which was so holy, they wouldn't even let it rest on their lips. They wouldn't even speak the name of God. So holy was the name of God. That name was being blasphemed among the Gentiles all over the world because of them. It's because of them. I think this is so important to catch. Like, okay... It is so easy. If I were to ask you, what is the greatest consequence of sin? What, what is the worst thing that happens in the world because of sin? What's the immediate thought that comes to our mind? Hell. By far. Like, I don't even have to think about it for half a second. Hey, Tim, if you sin, what's the worst thing that happens apart from Christ? Hell. <laughs> Duh. Like, is there any other option? And I think that, uh, first of all, that just highlights my own self-centered. Like, the world really does seem to revolve around me. Because immediately, what I'm thinking about is what is the greatest consequence I'm going to experience? Because it's sin- uh, hell. No doubter. No brainer. Is that the greatest consequence of sin, though? No. The worst part of about sin. The greatest evil of sin is that it robs God of His glory. And in that, rather than the nations seeing the glory of God, coming to faith in God, worshiping God, being brought into life through God, rather than seeing His glorious light, They saw darkness, and the name of God was blasphemed. Jews had an incredible purpose. They were supposed to be a light to the world, guide to the blind, instructor to the ignorant. The whole world was supposed to be able to come and marvel at the glory of God through the Jews. But instead, God's light was supposed to be on display through them, and instead it was utter darkness and because of their blatant hypocrisy as a nation there was great failure great failure with the Jews they failed to live up to the things that they knew were true even the things that they proclaimed and taught as true and because of that they failed in the purpose that God had for them they were not a light in the darkness they were not guides to the blind They had a horrible reputation in the world. And here's the punchline of what Paul's getting towards with the hypocrisy of the Jews. He says in verse 24, For as it is written, the name of God is blasphemed among the Gentiles because of you. Those are powerful words from the Apostle Paul. That's the great failure of the Jews. Supposed to be a light to the darkness guide to the blind and instead the name of God which is so holy they wouldn't even let it rest on their lips they wouldn't even speak the name of God so holy was the name of God that name was being blasphemed among the Gentiles all over the world because of them it's because of them I think this is so important to catch like okay It is so easy. If I were to ask you, what is the greatest consequence of sin? What what is the worst thing that happens in the world because of sin? What's the immediate thought that comes to our mind? Hell. By far. Like, I don't even have to think about it for half a second. Hey, Tim, if you sin, what's the worst thing that happens apart from Christ? hell. <laughs> Duh! Like, is there any other option? And I think that, uh, first of all, that just highlights my own self-centered. Like, the world really does seem to revolve around me, because immediately what I'm thinking about is, what is the greatest consequence I'm going to experience? Because sin- uh, Hell? No doubter? No brainer? Is that the greatest consequence of sin, though? No. The worst part of about sin. The greatest evil of sin is that it robs God of His glory. And in that, rather than the nations seeing the glory of God, coming to faith in God, worshiping God, being brought into life through God, rather than seeing His glorious light, They saw darkness, and the name of God was blasphemed. Jews had an incredible purpose. They were supposed to be a light to the world, guide to the blind, instructor to the ignorant. The whole world was supposed to be able to come and marvel at the glory of God through the Jews, but instead the Jews were just as blind and ignorant. And in the dark as everybody else because they had all of this privilege all of this knowledge of like they could come week after week after week after week after week hear the Word of God know the will of God have all the knowledge you could ever ask for and yet their hearts were cold and apathetic hearts were far from him. Just stop and think about that for a second. They had incredible privilege, incredible purpose, incredible knowledge, and apathetic lives, cold hearts. And that did not just affect them. That's one of the worst lies we tell ourselves about our sin. Do you know that? one of the worst lies that we tell ourselves about our sin is that my sin only affects me and even then we think and it doesn't affect me that much we have this idea like my my apathy my selfishness my sin my laziness my refusal to get out of bed and spend time with Jesus it only affects me it doesn't affect anybody else but it does God has a plan for His people to be radiant light so that people can see the glory of God and worship Him and know Him and have life in Him. God desires for His people to be guides to the blind, to make disciples of the nations, to put put His glory on display for the world. But the Jews had all this knowledge and privilege and purpose and it didn't matter because their hearts were cold and far from God. And the very name of God was blasphemed among the Gentiles because when they looked where there was supposed to be light, they saw darkness. It was because of the Jews, it was because of them. They didn't teach themselves, they didn't listen to their own preaching. Now, there's a big piece of me that gets into a passage like this. And you know what my first instinct is? Okay, something I felt many times as a parent. If you're a parent, my guess is you can, you can relate with me on this. But have you ever had one of those days, okay, where your kids... Things with your kids are just kind of stacking up. Okay, especially those of you that have a little bit older kids. You know what I'm talking about. There's just bickering going on, fighting going on, there's disrespect, they're talking back to you, and it's just kind of stacking one on top of the other, and it just goes on and on and on and on, and it wears on your soul. And you get to this point where it, like, as it just builds, as that disrespect that sin, that nastiness, that, that bickering and arguing and fighting about everything, as it builds, you, you, you get to this point where at some point, you, you've breached the breaking point, okay? We've blown through the red light, and you think the next person in, I don't even think this, it, it's just instinctive, but the next person that looks at me sideways, or bickers or fights or argues like it's on like i, I all all bets are off <laughs> like n- no holds barred and i what i'm going to do i'm going to reach back into the depths of my mind and i like every single thing that I can think of to heap on top of you guilt and shame, just so you know how utterly sinful and wicked and guilty you are so that somehow, way, you will finally snap out of it to see how wicked and sinful you really are. I'm going to pile all of it on you and you better see how utterly sinful you really are. And through that, through that mountain of guilt and shame that I've just placed squarely on top of you, my hope is that somehow, some way, you see it and you say, oh, I am wicked. I am sinful. Thanks for pointing that out, Dad. I do need to change. And we just, It's like I I can just feel myself like reaching into the crevices of my mind. Like, what can I possibly say to produce in you the feeling of guilt that you need to feel if you are ever going to come to your senses and stop sinning against me and everybody else in this house? And I think I come to this passage in Romans 2, and my first read of what Paul is doing is exactly that. It's like he's reaching into the depths of his mind and he's pulling out all, like no holds barred. How can I possibly pile the mountain of guilt and shame upon the Jew so heavy, so large that they have no hope but but to simply be crushed underneath their guilt. Come to their senses and realize We are guilty sinners, and I am so ashamed of who I am. It's my first read. And you get to verse 24, the punchline, and you're like, mic drop. (laughs) Paul, you you just crushed them, buried them. You fools who were supposed to be light to the world, guides to the blind. Do you realize what you have done? You have ruined everything. You have ruined God's plan. You utterly destroyed it because of your hypocrisy and sin, you fools. And oh, by the way, this passage just so happens to set up perfectly to bring the hammer to the church. But there's something that we need to notice about Paul's punchline, okay? Romans 2 verse 24 He says this for as it is written the name of God is blasphemed among the Gentiles because of you for as it is written do you know why Paul says as it is written Paul is not quoting himself here Paul Paul isn't like reaching back into the depths of his mind thinking how can I destroy these fools that are so guilty and shameful. No, no, no. What Paul's doing here is he's bringing the Jews to a very specific passage in Isaiah chapter 52. Yes, he's calling out their failure, but he doesn't use his own words to do it. He uses the words of God through the prophet Isaiah in Isaiah chapter 52. And here's what's remarkable about Isaiah chapter 52 where this quote comes from. To the Jews in Isaiah's time, they were in a very turbulent situation because of their own sin. The nation was a hot mess. The nation is divided. Isaiah's warning about God's judgment that's coming because of their sin. He's warning them that they will be taken captive by the Babylonians, which is incredibly bad news bears. And all of this stuff, Isaiah is clear. God is clear through Isaiah. It is their fault it is because of their own sin and they will be oppressed the name of God will be blasphemed all day long that's the quote that Paul pulls from and Isaiah is remarkably clear it's your fault it is your sin it is your hypocrisy the very same stuff that Paul was talking